I learned eventually that it's better to have not gotten something when I've given my all because it's much easier. I'm not years later beating myself up and going, oh, what could have been if I had just been prepared. Welcome, I'm David Eggers, Broadway vet, director, choreographer, and now college professor. My goal here is to help you prepare for some of the mental challenges that come with a musical theater career. Join me and my guests as we uncover mental processes, perspectives, and mindset shifts that can help fortify and sustain you, even propel you forward into a long and fruitful career in musical theater. Thanks for being here, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the mental game of musical theater. I'm David and I am so excited for the conversation that is about to happen. You guys, we have with us one of my favorite people in this business in the world that I've had a chance to work with. He is a joy. And when I think about some of my happiest times in theater, it involves this guy. So with us today, we have none other than Andre Ward. Hi. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here with me and I'm going to embarrass you first because I'm going to talk about your resume. So you just have to kind of like cringe and bear it right now. But super impressive resume. First of all, when we talk about Broadway shows, you guys, I hope I don't miss anything. And if I do, let me know. Saturday Night Fever. We both yeah. made our Broadway debut in that. We <laughs> were just true. Broadway babies, right? Yeah. The producers, Xanadu, Rock of Ages, Something Rotten, Escape to Margaritaville, Moulin Rouge. You guys, he's playing Toulouse-Lautrec in Moulin Rouge. <laughs> On tour, Pippin, The Producers, Ragtime, The Chicago Company, yeah. Cinderella, Dreamgirls. <laughs> And he's got a lot of regional credits. And then, hold on, wait, if that isn't enough, when I looked up your TV and film credits, Andre, I was uh -huh. blown away. <laughs> Instead of making a list, I thought, I'm going to count these. I came up with 41 episodes <laughs> of TV shows. Incredible. Some of them were like repeats, like, hello, eight episodes on Pose. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So many episodes of Murphy Brown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, such great shows. But then 41 total episodes of TV that I saw and 10 movie titles that you've also yeah. been part of. Incredible. Yeah. I'm very, very fortunate. I feel very, very, very lucky, very fortunate to have had all of that happen. I'm yeah. just blown away by the scope of your work and also hello, your longevity in this business too is very impressive. You're such an accomplished person and when you look at that resume, it is so incredible but at some point, you didn't have any of those credits. True. At true, some very point, true. you were just getting started right? Can we go back yeah. to that time at least for a little bit and tell us, first of all, did you go to college? Where did you train and how did you get started? Oh my goodness. I mean, I always was a kid that um, loved to do I was always, I was writing little soap operas when I grew up watching soaps. I was, was writing soap operas as a kid. Okay, which I one wrote did a, you? I, well, I watched a bunch. I watched Young and the Restless, Bold and the Beautiful, All My Children, One Life to Live, General Hospital, Santa Barbara. And then uh -huh. I watched Oprah and Donahue. I loved Summer because all I had to do, I mean, my, my grandparents who raised me used to, please, Andre, get out of the house and go play in the street. <laughs> Because I just loved, and I would pretend that I was on Oprah. I would pretend that I was on Donahue promoting yes. some movie. And I remember writing a soap opera and trying to get it. My grandfather was really um, close to all the pe the local PBS people and trying to get it produced. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, think, I think I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm trying to get it produced. I took that same piece. Uh, <laughs> 
so proper. And made the kids that I used to play with on the playground, like, we're not playing to all the, you know, because I was friends with all the girls, you know, gay boy, always friends with all the girls um, in junior high. I was like doing camera blocking with them and like, this yes. is your mark and you hit your mark and you turn you around and you say, well, yeah, it. it was insane. I had no idea what I was talking about, but I... <laughs> you sound like it. <laughs> yeah. You sounded like it. So... I was always interested in doing that. And I grew up singing in church. And my fourth grade teacher, Sister Regina Wojcinski, said to my grandfather, who was my playground director, much to my chagrin growing up, that, you know, Andre's <laughs> a delight, but he talks a lot in class. So <laughs> I think we need to do something to get him to excise some of this excess energy. So she suggested this children's theater company called Rainbow Company. And my grandfather took me there and I started taking acting classes and I did a couple of shows there. And that's where it started for me. And then I did. Were you just so excited to go to that that school? I loved it, but was nervous all at the same time because I wanted to be good and I wanted to be the best. And I've always uh, had sometimes crippling insecurity, like any actor, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. I wanted to be good so bad. (laughs) 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 But I was, it was really exciting. I remember doing a a show, this was when I was in high school, called The Incredible Jungle Journey of Fenda Mariah. And I played the Tiger Man and I I literally swung in on a rope from the lighting booth onto a platform. In the middle of the stage because it was in the round so i swung over the audience head and just and no jumped. way yeah there's no insurance there was no like there was there was, there was no safety cable yeah i fell once <laughs> and like oh my scraped gosh. up the whole side of my body but, oh no yeah but it was it was like such a joy i did theater all through high school and sang and show choir and all that kind of stuff. And then I got a scholarship. I got a four-year tuition waiver to Weber State University, which is a university that's uh, 30 minutes north of Salt Lake City. Yeah, my, my, my grandparents had, uh, I've been going to private school my whole life from nursery school through 12th grade. Where were you? I'm from Las Vegas, private school in Las Vegas. And when I got the opportunity to take advantage of a scholarship, it's a four-year tuition waiver. I came out of school with minimal loans. I I studied musical theater. I took loans and grants for books and for housing. So I really graduated with, with minimal debt. My family had really sacrificed to send me to school my whole life. And I was such a kid that was so sensitive and that you know, it was obviously this little gay boy. They knew that I probably would do better in private school than I would in public school for my for me Aww. in Las Vegas. They really sacrificed. They really, really sacrificed to do that for me. And I'm, I'm so grateful, mm-hmm. eternally grateful. I went to Weber. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I would never have guessed that I like so found myself in Utah. You know, I would yeah. never have guessed. But I did. So you got your degree from Weber, and then what? How'd you get started? Well, at Utah Musical Theater, I met a man named Russell Gregory. We were actors together. We roomed together. Well, the first summer that he worked there, I had worked there before, and um, people were like, oh my God, you're going to love Andre, you're going to love Andre, you're going to love Andre. And he was like, I'll I'll, I'll tell you if I'm going to love Andre. And we met and we were really, we were just such fast friends. And uh, the next summer we ended up rooming together and we've been friends ever since. He became my agent later on and then my manager. But he was acting as that from the beginning, even when he was an actor. Really? Yes, because during Utah Musical Theater, I remember one summer, we were all cast as pirates in Peter Pan. And he called me up and he said, Andre, did you get your contract? I said, yeah. He said, are you a pirate? I said, yeah. He goes, we're not going to be that. We're not going to do that. I was like, uh, what? what do you mean? We've already been cast. He said, no, yeah. he's like, I'm going to call it the artistic director. He's like, we're going to be, we're going to be the Indians. He's like, that's, that's, that's better for us. And I said, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. He goes, so don't sign your contract. 
Uh-oh, I no said, way. Oh, okay. And did not sign my contract. He called me back a couple of days later. He goes, okay. I talked to Jim, the artistic director, and he's agreed that me, you, and another friend of ours, David Spangenthal, who you know, um, oh, we're, love, <laughs> love. we're all going to be Indian. So cross out pirate. He negotiated it for us. Incredible. So when I graduated, he called me up <laughs> again. He said, hey, Andre, I'm working at this dinner theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We're doing Will Rogers Follies, and you can be the tenor, right? And I was like, I mean, I'm not really like a high, I'm not an Irish tenor. I mean, (laughs) black, for God's sake. And um, and he said, um, he's like, it's fine, it's fine. And he hung up the phone. He goes, I got you. He talked me in, sight unseen. They had never seen me. They had never heard me. They had, they didn't know anything other than Russell talked me into that job. He goes, you'll be near New York. You'll be able to go to auditions. So he was acting as my agent manager even then when he was an actor. I love it. So you got that job because of him. Yeah, sight unseen. Amazing. And they um, were like, great, we're hiring Andre. Yeah. So you went to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I went to, to Lancaster, theater. Pennsylvania. I was the Irish tenor in Will Rogers Follies. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. It was really amazing. And I met amazing people. And from there, we went on a day off to New York. And I auditioned for the non-equity tour of Crazy For You. And I got it. And I was the swing. From there, I went to Europe. And I was the swing for the European production. And from there, I met my now agent, Michael Goddard. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were actors together in that production in Europe. And when we came back, I got my equity card doing Finian's Rainbow at Good Speed Opera House. And uh-huh. from there, I went and auditioned for the national tour of Dreamgirls. And Michael Goddard was also at that audition. And we both got that job. And we went Amazing. on tour together for almost a year doing that show. And when he stopped being an actor, he became an agent and became my agent. And Russell stopped being an agent and became my manager. Incredible. Those kinds of things have happened for me throughout my my career. My first first agent I got because I was dating <laughs> I was dating the assistant company manager from Goodspeed. <laughs> and when he left Goodspeed, we were dating and he started working for an agency. He's working for this agency called Harden Curtis. That was my agent. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I went to dinner. He's like, oh, do you want to come to dinner with me and some of my colleagues? And I was like, all right, I'll meet you. And Diane Riley was there. Uh-huh. Diane and Michael were my agents. Like the entire time yeah. I was in New York. Yeah. Amazing. So I went to dinner, but he was a literary agent, this guy, Tom, that I was dating. Uh So I didn't know anything about agents, really, or anything. I came to New York with nothing. Right. And I came to New York with cash advances for my credit card, quite frankly. (laughs) I was just at dinner being me, telling stories, being, you know, you know how I am. I tell lots of stories. Yes, and I love your stories. (laughs) (laughs) So we're, you know, paying the bill, dinner, and Diane looked at me and she's like, oh, Andre, she's like, you should come by and talk to me. And I remember I said, like, without thinking, I just went, I looked at her and I went, why? I don't write books. (laughs) Because I thought she was a literary, I thought she was a literary agent. And she goes, she said, no, Andre, I'm, I'm a talent agent. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) It's those kinds of happenstance things that happened for me all throughout my career, especially my early career, because all I knew, I remember my grandfather saying, Andre, you have to have a backup plan. I was like, I'm not going to have a backup because if I'm, if I have a backup, I'll back up. I don't want to do it. That is so good. I'm going to go to New York and see what happens. 
Yeah. If I have to come home, do I have a place to come? And he said, of course you have a place to come. Mm. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to New York and see what happens. That's but awesome. I don't want to come home. Yeah. And can I just take a moment here to point out that we're laughing about your storytelling and you being you and your jokes and so forth. But for those people who don't know you and kind of going back to how I introduced you today, you're just <laughs> such a vibrant person. Your life force and your life energy is just so magnetic and beautiful and vibrant vibrant that I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because you're just being you and people are falling in love with you left and right and castmates go off to become agents. Of course they want to represent you. You know, you're at dinner with Diane Riley from one of the main offices uh, in New York City. And of course she's like, come talk to me. You know, I get it. I get it. And you're just being you. You're just doing you. Um, Thank you for that. It took me a long time a long, long time. It still challenges me from time to time, especially in, in, when I was younger, in my 20s and my 30s, that just being me was enough. Well, don't we all struggle with that? I mean, it's hard to trust that. Yeah, for me, especially when I was new to the city, because I thought I knew what I wanted. <laughs> that's, I think that's key. You know, I thought I wanted to be a big, you know, a big old star, being on talk shows. Oprah, you wanted you to know, be on Oprah. Yeah, I wanted <laughs> yeah. to be on, I wanted Oprah, you know, asking me, you know, how to find my spirit. You know, I thought, <laughs> like, I wanted to be asked all the hard questions by all the big people. I wanted Barbara Walters to want to talk to me. Yeah. But I still wasn't really comfortable with who I was, ultimately. Mm. It took a while to stop trying to turn myself into what I thought other people wanted needed me to be Mm -hmm. to then settle into where I'm comfortable and then from there I can become the characters that I want to become it's hard to layer over a character it's hard to become a character if you're already playing a character in life oh truth you were putting on a character to try to be something while you were still figuring it out yeah I mean, obviously it worked out. You never stopped working. You you got the agents and you got the representation and you got the equity card and you got into auditions and things started lining up for you. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I'm so, so fortunate and I'm... I'm so grateful. I did know that I was like, I, when I got to New York, I quickly realized I was like, ooh, you know, I mean, we were both in Saturday Night Fever, and, yeah. and I think you remember that the um, the audition notice, I remember so well, it said, dancing a must, singing a plus. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten that. Oh, my God. <laughs> dancing a must, singing a singing plus. Singing a plus. Oh, my God. And I was always, for me, a singer. I was a singer who... who who danced? I thought of myself as a singer. Yeah. And when I got to New York, I was like, oh yeah, these, I mean, the people who dance, I mean, you know, they have turnout for days, and, right. you know, six yeah. o'clock ponche. And uh-huh. I was like, I'm a song and dance man. Like mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, performer. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, I knew I was like, oh, okay. So if I go to the dance calls, I was like, and I get through the dance call <laughs> and we get to the singing part. I have a, a better shot of getting the gig. Yeah. Yeah. That was my stra- that was my strategy when I first got to New York. Same here. Yeah. Like I could dance and I did dance a lot in my career, but I wasn't trained, technically trained that much, do you know? So I yeah. was sort of the same way. I was like, if I can get through the dance and then I get a chance to sing, I'll be able to do my thing. Yeah. 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 Very see similar. Me. I did know that I could perform and I did know I had something in that area that was uh, fun and watchable. I feel like I did know that in my soul. It just took a longer time for me to become grounded in the other aspects of who I was. And I always knew I was a character 
person. Even in Saturday Night Fever, I mean, Karina and I were the we were a character couple. We were the, <laughs> the character dance couple. <laughs> and that has actually been, I mean, now of course, you know, I just turned 50. You look amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Hindsight being 2020, but I see everything I've ever done, especially coming coming to New York, I've always been the character person. Even when I was in the ensemble, I was always the character guy in the ensemble weaving my way through and that's been the through line in my career interesting i mean it's just looking back i see that yeah you know getting my equity card in finian's rainbow i was one of the three bagat guys three specific character guys pippin i was a leading player saturday night fever i was you know chester and shirley yeah i'm seeing i'm doing in Karine's voice <laughs> We're Chester and Shirley, the you know the 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 specific the black couple who does the dance, and you know they're very character driven. In Escape to Margaritaville, Xanadu, I you know I was the muse of dance, which was hilarious to me because I wasn't <laughs> the best trained dancer in the show. I was dancing with Curtis Holbrook, who had done Fosse, right? You know, and he was the muse of comedy in the show, and we were both perplexed. <laughs> Hey, this is David popping in here to let you know I'm also working on a book all about the mental game of musical theater, and I'd love for you to check it out. Head over to profeggers.com. That's P-R-O-F-E-G-G-E-R-S.com for information and to be one of the first to get your hands on this book. It's going to help you as you prepare for, pursue, and build your career in musical theater. I appreciate you checking it out, and I appreciate you being here. So let's get back to the episode. When they said, oh, Curtis, you're going to be the muse of comedy and Andre, you're going to be the muse of dance. We're like, shouldn't this be reversed? We, <laughs> we didn't, we really were like, what's happening? But it was really smart because it enabled us to pull out our strengths and put it into the things that we were asked to do in the show. My character dance stuff came out in being the muse of dance, mm -hmm. which was really, really cool. And, and I got to sit at the feet of amazing comedians. Mary Testa, mm -hmm. Jackie Hoffman, mm -hmm. and Carrie Butler was phenomenal in that show. Mm -hmm. Cheyenne Jackson, Tony Roberts, yeah. Kanita Miller, Anika Larson, wow. <laughs> Curtis Holbrook, Marty Thomas. I mean, the company of people in that show, I just, I still feel so fortunate for having been in that show. It was like an amazing jewel box of a show. What a great experience. Let me ask you, you mentioned that you loved your time at the college that you went to, Weber State, mm. right? Mm -hmm. You loved that time, but is there anything that you wish that you had learned while you were in college that would have helped you get ready for the business? The wonderful things that I learned in college was work ethic, being respectful, being a good company member were amazing gifts that I learned in, in college that I could not, wouldn't trade for the world. The things that I wish I would have known more of is about the business of show. Mm -hmm. By no fault of theirs, right. it just wasn't their thing, is that they weren't actors in New York. Right. You know, right. Going through the business. So I didn't know a lot about the business. Like simple things. This is how you get a sub a subway card. Uh -huh. This is what you do to sign up for equity calls if you don't have an equity card. Right. Go to lots of art openings because you're not gonna have a lot of money and they serve food for free. Go Ooh. look at the paintings and get like Literally things like that. Yeah. It's like, how do I make it when I have nothing? Yeah. Meet people and 
be curious. Be curious. Because yeah. that's what the business is about. It's about being curious. Be genuinely curious. Mm-hmm. Don't be curious just because you know that person is the head of ABC <laughs> or whatever. Right, right. That, I think you're good at that too, because I bet that that dinner that you described earlier where Diane Riley was sitting across <laughs> from you, you were probably engaging her and asking questions yeah. about her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that matters. It does matter. It matters how you treat people. The business is about relationships. Right. And I'm really grateful that I learned to be respectful, to be a good company member, because that really helps, especially in theater. People want to work with people who are good yeah. people. Yeah. You know, if you're a if you're a butthole, <laughs> it doesn't make people you know want to work with you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's too many options out there. Too many good people. Yeah. There trying are to get so many jobs. talented people. I think the other things that I wish I had learned. learned. Continue to mine who you are because there are going to be so many people trying to tell you who you are. Ooh, that's really good. Can you break that down for us a little bit more? What do you mean? I remember being on the first national tour I ever went on and the equity tour and it was like, oh, Andre, you should be this person because, you know, if you could be straighter, if you could, if you could be straighter, more manly, you could play Curtis. And I understand it because it all came from a really great place wanting me to do better, wanting, wanting me to, wanting me to have the lead wanting me to be able to cover the lead. And uh-huh. I understand that. Right, but it sounds so horrible. Yeah, and it's like, okay, I wish I had learned more about that, more about being secure in my character abilities going forward. But I really wish they had brought in people who knew more about the nuts and bolts of New York. That would have been very, very helpful. That's why I think it's such an amazing thing where you are, because you're in Utah, where, yeah. <laughs> where I went to school. Yeah. And you... You, I mean, you got way more Broadway credits than I have. And the, the, I mean, talking about an amazing gift, an amazing career, an amazing, I mean, that is you all day long. Yeah, that's very kind. But such an amazing resource because you can tell kids, this is what you're going to encounter. You know, knowing casting directors, mm-hmm. casting directors are so it's so important. You can know the director all day long, but if you can't get past a casting director, you're not going to get to see the director. That's right. Good point. And getting to know people. Well, you can edit this out if it's <laughs> if you don't want people to know it. Okay. But I didn't know when I got to the city. Like I would get into a dance call, and there were people that would learn a combination. I felt like in like 17 seconds, and I was like, everybody's able to learn this so quickly. Yeah. What? I mean, I I I just feel like they just went over it once. I didn't know that people came in already knowing the combination because they know people who were like, ooh, I just learned the combination for so-and-so audition. Let me teach it to you so you can do your best. A uh, little known <laughs> secret right there. You just revealed. <laughs> that is right. Relationships. Yeah, relationships, relationships matter. Again. Similar thing happened to me. It took me a long time to, to also realize some of that was going on. And so when I had an opportunity to audition for one of the shows that I actually booked, it was a replacement audition call. And I asked somebody in the show if they knew the dance combination, if they yeah. could show me any part of it that they might remember. And because we were buds... That person said, sure. We got together for an hour between shows on a Saturday. They showed me what they remembered of the dance call. And sure enough, that helped me book that job. Yes. I mean, I I was doing ragtime in Chicago. Actually, Diane had called me to see, like, say, oh, Andre, uh, they're looking for, specifically for, they're looking for the Black couple for Saturday Night Fever. I was like, 
I'm supposed to fly <laughs> all the way back to New York, and they're looking for one black man, <laughs> one in a show where dancing is a must and singing is a plus. <laughs> Me, I was absolutely I was like, there's absolutely no way. I'm not flying back to New York for that. So I didn't. Oh my gosh. But one of the guys in the show did. And he came back and another friend of mine was on the Cats tour, Davis. He's like, Andre, I'm coming to Chicago. Can I stay with you? I'm going to go to the Saturday Night Fever. There's an open call. They came to Chicago. I had no idea. Oh my gosh. And so my the friend that was in Ragtime had just come back from auditioning. And he's like, oh, I don't remember the whole thing, but I can show you some of the parts of it. I was like, okay. And so he showed me some of it. I was like, okay, well, at least I know a little bit of it. Uh So that'll probably help. And I went to the call and that's where I got Saturday Night Fever. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible. Perfect example. Yeah. So you went in there, you already knowing at least part of the choreography. This is what to expect. I was like, I knew there was going to be a triple to the knee. And I was like, oh my God, let me, let me practice my, my triple turns (laughs) before I get in there. (laughs) Yep. Oh, you're you're bringing back some past trauma for me. Yes. Yes. So knowing other people, building those relationships and having a little bit of a leg up when you actually get into the room to do that dance call, if you can figure out how. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a good little tidbit. It's so funny because I was struggling whether I was going to say it. And I was like, why am I struggling to say this when it's the truth? Yeah, it is the truth. It's the truth that I don't want to say because I don't want anybody to think I didn't work hard to be where I am. That's right. I don't want anybody to think you cheated when that's what's happening. Well- Here's the thing, Andre. I tell my students this because somebody told it to me when I first moved to New York City. I think you must have been living by the same rule, which is if there's something to be done and you don't do it, you can bet somebody else is, right? Yeah. And so yeah. if, if you're going into an audition room and everybody else is like suddenly dancing the combination within 17 seconds and you're like, hang on, <laughs> hang on, what do, what am I missing here? <laughs> yes. Then yes. you're just learning the ropes and, yeah. and assimilating. You've got to be in it to win it. Yeah. And stack the yeah. deck in your favor. Line things up so that so that a yes becomes a possibility. Yeah, so that a yes becomes a possibility. That's really, that's beautiful. I'm going to use that, Chow. <laughs> That a yes becomes a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I've said this, and I think you've heard me say this before. It's the best advice I've ever gotten. I was doing Rock of Ages and I had an audition and had everybody in the building read with me. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I want it, I want it, I want I don't even remember what this audition was for because I don't think I got it. But the woman that was playing Mama in the show, she, you know, she said, Andre, come over here. And I said, yeah. She goes, have you done your work? I said, yeah. Are you prepared? I said, yeah. She goes, great. Well, if this job is for you, there is nothing you can do wrong. Mm. And if this job is not for you, there is nothing you can do right. So go in there, do your job and let it go. Oh, words of wisdom right there. Oh my goodness. It has been so helpful for me. And I didn't get that job. (laughs) because it wasn't for me but I was really prepared and so I was able to let it go yeah it's what I did with Moulin Rouge every time I went in I went in I did it I couldn't have done any better I came out I actually tore up my sides and put them in the garbage and walked away every single time oh I love that because if it's meant for you she said what to you because those are words to live by well she's like have you done your work And I said, I have done my work. Are you prepared? Yes. Then if that's your job, there is nothing you can do wrong. And if that's not for you, there is nothing you can do right. So go in, do your work, 
and let it go. So good. That kind of leads me to one of my other questions. Before that person gifted you that perspective, Mm. before that, how did you handle rejection? I went anywhere from being completely and utterly devastated if I really worked hard on it and then didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And I could just be crestfallen. And especially if like, oh, I really need a job and this job is going to be the job that changed my life. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. We are, we've all it. faced those moments. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm devastated. Or I have done this where I'm so scared of it not working out or working out that I underprepare so that I can blame the fact that I have underprepared on me not getting it so I don't have to feel untalented not deserving. It's like, oh, I just studied, I did it at the last minute. Oh God, I probably would have gotten it if I, you know, had really, really worked on it, but I didn't work on it. So I didn't get it. Well, you know, that happens. I just, I should have been more prepared. Oh wow! And so I can blame it on that mm-hmm. and not on the fact that I worked really hard. Mm. I learned eventually that it's better to have not gotten something when I've given my all because yeah. it's much easier. I'm not years later beating myself up. Right. And going, oh, what could have been if uh, I had just been prepared? Thank you for sharing that. That fe- that feels yeah. very personal and vulnerable. And uh, I really appreciate you opening up and sharing that because I think it'll help some of my younger listeners who are stepping foot into the business. And yeah. let's get out of our own way. Let's prepare yes. our hardest. Let's give ourselves the best odds and then trust those words that if it's not meant for you and you've done everything you can do then it's not meant for you it's okay yeah it's okay because the thing that's meant for you will come and hindsight is 2020 right it was one of the hardest things that has ever happened for me in theater i was one of the original people asked i didn't audition asked to do the original reading of the book of mormon that only had first like 25 pages and four songs or something it was a read it was a reading we had to sign ndas we had to it was I did it and I did the readings for the next two years. And I started off in the ensemble and then they made me Mafala the father. And then I was let go right before the first workshop. Hmm. Actually, I was asked to re-audition. And I remember that. I remember my soul said, Andre, don't re-audition. They've been seeing you do this part for the last two years. Mm-hmm. If you're not what they want, they know that. So why are you, why are you auditioning again for something they've already seen you do for the last two years? Right. But I did against my what my soul said, against what my inner voice said. And I walked out and it might have even been hours later, they said, no, thank you. Mm. It was one of the hardest, because I've been, I've been asked not to do things before, but they'd never been hits. <laughs> <laughs> I've had writer first refusal in contracts before and been refused, but... <laughs> You know, nobody talks about those shows today. Right. Those shows aren't still running on Broadway uh-huh. today. Uh-huh. So that was, it was really, really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. It was soul crushing. I wish I had listened to my inner voice. It's hard for me as a performer to say, hey, you've seen me do this. And if I'm the person, that's the thing. I would do that today. Right, right. But then, yeah. But then mm-hmm. that was extremely, extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of time to let it go. But I ended up getting a pilot for HBO that I would not have been able to do because the woman who won the Tony for Book of Mormon was supposed to do that same pilot, but had to drop out of the pilot because 
she was doing Book of Mormon. I mean, the better choice for her, she won the Tony and now it's it's a big big star. But for me, it was like, oh, I wouldn't have gotten this opportunity to do this pilot for HBO with an Academy Award nominated, Tony Award winning playwright who was the book writer for Moulin Rouge. Amazing. John Logan. Oh, wow. You know, and it starred Susan Sarandon, Patti Lapone, Frank Langella, Hope Davis, Lee Pace, what? Eddie Redmayne. I played one of Eddie Redmayne's best friends. Oh, you know, wow. it was like, it was an amazing experience that I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to have had I still been doing the Book of Mormon. That's right. And look where it led. I mean, you, you said it earlier, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? It's such a good point that we don't know what we don't know. And to trust that when you're when you're doing your best, and sometimes even when you're not doing your best, you know, because you can't do your best always, but that you're constantly, oh, it's a good reminder for me because I used to write this thing in my journal every morning. Uh, I I am one with the universe and it's constantly moving me in the direction of my wholeness, no matter what is happening. I love that. Yes. And it's something I have to remember mm-hmm. that no matter what is going on, I have to trust that I am moving in the direction of my wholeness. And if I don't feel like I am moving in the direction of my wholeness, get quiet and really think, okay, where do I need to pivot? Where do I need to go? Where do I need to turn to start moving again in the current in the direction of my wholeness. Hmm. Because that's all the universe wants from me. The universe doesn't want me to be perfect. The universe wants me to be whole. That's right. Oh my God, all of a sudden I'm, you know, you, you hear my, my, my preaching background <laughs> come out. <laughs> but it's um, so powerful and so true. Oh gosh, that's really good. All I can do is what I believe is the right thing for me to do or what's best for me and trust, mm-hmm. you know, that that's it. Mm-hmm. And that I'm going to be taken care of. And I always have been. I remember being in my first apartment on 123rd Street. That I was, It was a one bedroom sharing with two other people. I remember being in the basement doing laundry and just saying, I don't know. I don't know God. I don't know universe. I don't know how I'm going to eat. I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. But I know that I will be taken care of. I know that I will be taken care of. And I had auditioned. <laughs> for Goodspeed Finian's Rainbow and, you know, called my service and click, click. They were like, we want you to come and do Finian's Rainbow at Goodspeed Opera House. Hmm. And I just remember just sobbing because it was like, okay, every Oof. once in a while you need that. Oh, I will be. If I trust, I will be taken care of. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's a good reminder too. You know, especially in the beginning, man, we're scared. We're nervous. We don't know what's going to happen. I try to encourage my students to trust the work, trust your preparation. Yes. Right? Put your best foot forward. Bring your best self to the work, to the company to the opportunity, then just give up the rest. And remember that it's it's a play. (laughs) That's right. Remember that it's a play. Yeah. It should be fun, right? Yeah. (laughs) Even when you're sobbing. I mean, I've come off stage, you know, and I've been sobbing, been, you know, like tears running down my face and come off stage and I'm just like joyful because I got a chance to play and play that part. Join us next time for part two with my friend, Andre Ward. 
Hey, thanks for being here today. If you enjoyed this episode at all, please take a moment to leave a review with high marks. You wouldn't believe how much a positive review helps this podcast to reach more people. Then head over to profagers.com to check out my book, all about the mental game of musical theater. And lastly, no matter how you spend the rest of your day, bring enthusiasm to it. You only get this day once, and life keeps getting better and better when you bring enthusiasm to everything that you get to do. Thanks again for spending part of your day with me. Until next time, this is Prof. Eggers signing out.